Hey, welcome back to another episode of Final Fantasy VI at the Video Game Academy. It's Ben and Wes, and uh, this game has really opened up um, in the uh, short time that we've had the airship. We've been able to go to one new place <laughs> with it, um, but we're going to go way more places next time, so stay tuned for that. So so how, how are you enjoying um, the, ca- the capital of the world, of the continent, Vector? How's it treating um, you? It is a real shithole. Um, <laughs> Like it's it's not even subtle about it. You land at that tiny little town, and the whole place is under martial law. And you go to the bar, and it's very obviously like a bunch of hooligan soldiers just like hooting at you know obvious ladies of the night. And you know you go to the capital, and it's this dingy like post-industrial mess of pipes and toxic goo, and like whole <laughs> the whole island is just a dump. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a really big um, pyramid-looking city from a distance, kind of mm-hmm. looming up in the mountains or whatever. Um, but when you get there, yeah, it's not so it's it's not so impressive as it turns out. Um, I was expecting a little more. Like I said, I didn't remember this part of the game. I thought there was more to Vector, but it's sort of like you just you can't really do anything there except sneak into the factory, right? Like, yeah. is there any more to it? I mean, I don't know if you can sneak past the guards up the stairs, like, again, yeah. trick, tricksy timing and such. But I know, like, I tried to walk up the stairs towards the actual pyramid proper, like the Imperial Palace or whatever that turns out to be. Right. And one of the guards immediately caught me, and you had a little fight, which, you know, beating up guards is no, no sweat at this point in the game. Um, but they still, after the battle, throw you out, and they, like, kick you to the bottom of the pyramid and now you're stuck at the beginning again yeah so, that's, that's right no because i did i ran up and and got past all the guards a few a few like you know roundabout maneuvers there but then mm-hmm. you get to a certain point and you can't proceed any further they sick um this like cannon they hop into this cannon that's part of the castle and um and you can't beat it you have to run away um and that's it like you can't yep. proceed any further yeah, but the the town itself is tight. There's not really anything to it. There's like there's an inn, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you get you can you can learn a little bit, I guess, at the cafe. If you talk to the people, they say that Kefka was actually treated with the um, the same process that um, sounds like Celis underwent, mm-hmm. um, or something like it, uh, some kind right. of prototype to that, um, which might explain partly why he is way he is insofar as that sort of thing can be explained for these kind of villainous figures um he you know he's like the first experimental subject um, right and it didn't go great for him <laughs> uh and so there's this other kind of figure that we hear about then um and we meet him in the factory anyway and that's that's sid who's like a stock final fantasy character right but he's he's a different sid in this game he's um he's unusually creepy in this game i would say yeah i mean in the long history of sids in final fantasy you, you kind of get the sense that they're always associated with the airship like usually they, they they're the one who built the airship or they're the one that like you know hides the airship or um like they're secretly 
in charge of the airship in the case of Final Fantasy VIII. Um, and they, they have a whole lot of different characters. Like, they're not, as much as it's a, something that you can always expect to find, you never know what it is you're going to find when you meet him. I mean, like, you, you have Sid the Thunder God in Final Fantasy Tactics who just mows through enemies once he joins your team. And then you've got, like, the poor, unfortunate Frog Sid in Final Fantasy IX who is, like sitting on his throne in a frog shape the entire game until you turn him into like something even more repulsive what Um, what? i don't remember that part yeah um you've got that the whole like warring cities dynamic in final fantasy 9 and like there's the the creepy queen lady who runs the one city Uh and she apparently sicked some like magical assassin on sid and turned him into a frog and like you, you walk into his throne room and it's this tiny little frog sitting on the throne and you're like, who, who are you? And it, and it starts talking to you because it's Sid. You never actually see Sid in his real form, if I'm not mistaken. Like the, the one time that you try and turn him back, he turns into like a tick or a parasite or something. <laughs> um, no, that reminds me of like the very first um, tr- sort of story that you get in the Mario games is when you get to the castle and the person on the throne has been transformed into a little, you know, a spider or something. I think it's different ones in each world. I don't, I don't remember that about the Sid of Final Fantasy. I only remember, yeah, you know, seven, he's got the airship, Final Fantasy two slash four. He's got the airship. He's got a wrench and, you know, a hammer and stuff. He's, he's awesome in those games, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a weirdo. And so he's like got a weird um, bonnet on his head. Like, I don't, I don't even yeah. know what to like. Again, I can't really interpret the sprite very uh, accurately. I feel like I, I'm not sure what they're going for there. But he's he's got his own sort of little private tent that's covering him at all times. Yeah, um, it it's always struck me as being kind of like a hazmat suit, like one of those big yellow yeah yeah costumes that like you wear if you're dealing with hazardous materials, which makes sense because he's you know in the magic tech facility. He's like the one other character you meet behind besides Kefka himself. And you you very much get the sense that they're dealing with these espers as though they're like basically nuclear weapons. Like they don't know exactly what they're doing with them. They are obviously very dangerous, very powerful. Um, and so, you know, he's one part scientist, one part researcher, and one part, you know, just doing the grunt work that Kefka doesn't want to do. No, but he he's sort of in this position of... Um... The, the creator of Kefka, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unexpected for me. I, I wasn't expecting this other character to be, you know, in charge of, of the experimentation. I thought, I thought all along that that was Kefka. So mm-hmm. I actually have a little bit more sympathy for Kefka now as a result, though I'm sort of confused about how to feel about Sid given what happens in that scene. But, but I guess we should get there. But I, I yeah. did try to explore... I tried to go around the continent a bit before going okay. into the Vector City. And so there's like three different towns, one next to you when you, when you park the airship, um, mm-hmm. then one way over in the west, and then quite a ways up in the north. And they don't, I mean, there isn't really much to them. There isn't, you know, anything all that great to be found if you go there. You can buy some items and whatnot. Um, you can see some interactions among the townspeople. Um, but I also, I also went to the east where you hear that there's, there's something that's, 
you know, being guarded by the empire that no one's allowed in. And again, there's this thing where if you try to go in, they'll, they'll chuck you out. You can't get very far. Um, but I was, you know, curious. And so I went over there, uh, in that direction, there's some, I, there's some tough enemies, um, who do this thing, right. That enemies sometimes do where if you confuse them with the noise blaster or, or any other confused spell, they'll unleash stronger magic on themselves. Okay. You know, yeah. usually what happens is they do it to themselves. In this case, they do it to everyone. Cause it's quake. Oh, and there right. was like a group of like five or six of this one uh, weird looking sort of serpent um, chicken enemy thing. They all cast Quake and wiped me out. Like, oh, wow. yeah. I lost a, a decent amount of time that I had spent like, you know, moseying around the continent as a result of that. So, so that learned me not to um, go noise blasting people who I didn't know what they could do. Um, <laughs> that, that was dumb. But anyway, uh, yeah, so there's, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I started, um, I mean, now that, like, now that we've got a decent uh, posse of espers to play with, and, like, I'm starting to bounce back and forth between them so everybody can learn some of the best spells, yeah. um, I, I started, like, I, I think my party for, for this particular journey was Sellers and Locke, because those are sort of locked in, yeah. and then Gao and Edgar. And I, yes. after a while, I had Gao on permanent float, like, because okay. I had float spell so i just let him fly all the time and i was like go ahead quake me do do it do your worst <laughs> vicious enemies because gal is indifferent to your attacks that's uh, wise yeah and and gal was incredibly useful throughout like that that templar unlock that i told you about like him using fire two on everybody it's it was devastating like he was oh, yeah he was wrecking those pipsqueaks left and right um, in the magitech <laughs> facility and it doesn't cost any magic for him to use those, right? No, no, just, he just goes. Just flows out of him. Yeah, That's so awesome. you, go, you you know you relinquish control of him to use it. Like yeah. he can't use any magic while he's raging, but you know most of the time, like if you find the right the right guy to use in a given situation, it can pay off really nicely. Now, the only concern I would have is that you'd kill bosses too quickly to steal good things from them if you're using Gao to his full potential. So you probably have to sort of put a handicap on him in some of the boss battles, right? Sometimes um, I found actually that he wasn't as useful against the bosses as a yeah. rule. Like the one guy you run into in the Magitech facility is the guy with the, the color wall. Yes. Um, so he makes himself immune to spells. So, you know, you hit him with fire too, and he just laughs it off, and, you know, zero damage. And Gao is now effectively useless. Yeah. Um, but, and, and like the cranes, I think I did be a little bit too quickly, but they are also, I don't think they've got anything too terribly exciting. I don't um, think I'll so, no. feel silly if they were, you know, secretly holding on to awesome weapons or something. I, yeah, I think I stole another bio blaster or, or one of i think i stole a tool from them but i think it was a tool i already had so i was a little okay. disappointed by that um, yeah yeah but i you know i also read that sometimes bosses drop different things though or have different things to steal like mm -hmm. there's a there's a percentage or an algorithm in there that sometimes they have a good thing and sometimes they have kind of a normal thing so so i don't know um yeah but too late now right i mean yep. so you know there's there's some elements of this game that are like, you know, you explore a lot because you want to find cool stuff and powerful stuff. And, but you don't really need to do that because like you said, you know, if you, if you can break the, the, the battle in some way with Gao or really any of these characters, um, you can find things that just make battles pretty, 
easy actually. And so, so exploring has kind of a different function where it's more like just to see what's there, like what, what's possible and what, you know, what are people saying about the empire in this part of the world where they've, they've been most thoroughly sort of subjugated. Um, and yeah. There's, there's I, I think, interesting stuff, but I, I think there's like, there, there's a certain school of, of game design philosophy about like why players should should be allowed to explore like what you, what you incentivize exploration with um and while like loot and power is obviously one of them like you get the cool item or you get you know you you get like a major significant power increase one of the other things that is frequently pointed to is, is story beats like you yeah. make the the story progress in some way and in final fantasy 6 especially like if you explore in certain places with certain characters you get interesting information about their backstory so you know you bring edgar and sabin to the castle and you see the the coin flip thing go go down you, right. you bring Locke to rachel and you get this whole cutscene about their past together um but some of the other stuff i'm not sure uh like final fantasy 6 is it's right on the line there with seven as far as like the ranginess of later final fantasy games mm -hmm. where you know it gives you a lot of freedom and it isn't necessarily it isn't necessarily clear what a certain area might have to offer sometimes it's just <laughs> there to fill out the world and right. doesn't seem to have some sort of intrinsic value or purpose yeah i mean i feel like it's it's cool that you get to go to three different towns for no apparent reason before going to Vector and a fourth like camp, which you can't really proceed through. Um, right. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of like, I don't know. I, I hesitate to call it realism, but in a way it is, right? It's like, that's the way life is. Sometimes you have a bunch of different options and none of them are really that important. So you can do them or not. Like it's up to you. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, that's fine. I just, I guess I would have liked, you know, some kind of story, component to come through there um in, in in the ones you know that you described i feel like the one that i would have thought we would have gotten here was one about celis actually like mm -hmm. you know maybe a little bit about her youth uh or childhood or parents or something like something from before she became yeah. you know or we do mention i think someone mentions general leo again you know maybe maybe we see what he's been up to since he's been kind of removed from command and um but but we don't uh, there's just very little. Um, there's a little bit about magic. There's a few people who seem to study magic and tell you some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's that guy who, you know, tells you about Kefka's, uh, you know, creation or whatever, um, the creation of Kefka, that is. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, there's a bunch of like scenes of soldiers behaving badly, basically, and um, yep. kind of just lording it over the, the poor townspeople. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's more stuff later, like if you come back to some of these places. But yeah, I'd imagine that if that upon revisiting, once we have full control of the airship, it might open up a little bit more, and we might be able to to you know experiment a bit. Um, but I'm also not sure. Like it could be one of those things that it's only going to be like in the latter half of the game that those places become relevant or interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a side story about this one soldier who's sent letters back and forth with his girl back home and so you can see some of that develop i i think but i don't again i don't really remember if that really builds up into anything or if it's just sort of extra you know dialogue that's yeah that there. one specifically does build up to something if i remember oh, nice right. so okay. yeah 
then that's all good. Because yeah, because you do get to see her, I believe, in one of these sounds. Um, you can you can see what's new with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, let's see, I think that um, that Eastern place has got to be important at some point, right? Like they must yeah. be guarding something. There can't just be a red herring over there. Um, yeah, I so, think that that will actually have plot consequences in the fairly near future. If okay. All right. So, so with that, yeah. I mean, so we see that there are people who sympathize with the returners in Vector mm -hmm. itself. Actually, you know, like half of the people you meet seem to like be pulling for you. Actually, mm -hmm. um, the guy, the one guy, is another yet another crazy old man who uh, like helps you sneak into the factory. Yep. Um, what, there's that little old lady who's very sweet, and um, although she doesn't warn you that the the guards are going to jump you, they're they're like incredibly weak, and then she heals you for free afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that's not so bad. Um, Did you meet the guy in the outhouse? <laughs> what? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, there's there's this tiny little building that you can walk into. It, it looks like an outhouse, and he he says something like, "Are you loyal to the Empire?" Um, and if you say yes, he's like, "Fine." But if you say no, then like guards come out of the walls and they jump you. And no, that's the one I'm talking about. I thought that was a little okay. old lady. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't think of it as an outhouse. I, I didn't know what to call that little place, though. Yeah, yeah. It's like a weird, tiny building. Mm -hmm. like her little hovel. Um, no, but if you beat the guards, then you talk to her again, she'll heal you. Yeah. You get you get free um, health. Because like you said, if you go in the inn, they just they, they steal your money. It's not good. Yep. Um, but so, yeah, there's like a, a little bit of sort of the feeling that this place is ripe for the returns. I, I mean, I don't know what Bannon's master plan is, but he's doing something right because um, the, the people's sympathies seem to be with you. Um, yeah, and you also get the sense, too, that, um, I mean, especially when you wander around, it's very obvious how tyrannical the empire is here. Yeah. Um, how how little people sympathized with them like for for all of you know you see the rich people on the other continent who are like well the empire has made me a whole lot of money or Setzer you know saying that he you know why would he attack the empire when he's profited so much from them you know when it comes down to to the actual people living under the imperial heel they are not happy about it and if anything like people are more willing to talk about the returners right here in the shadow of vector than they ever were on the other continent yeah and that surprised me a little bit actually um because yeah there's a, there's evidently like secret police basically hiding in the shadows waiting to 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 get you if you say the wrong thing but yeah the people are pretty bold about it they they like they recognize that you're returners also so it's mm -hmm. like you're not really that undercover <laughs> i guess um yeah and so okay so we make it make it through the um with the help of the old man we make it past the guard there's like a, a weird you know you climb on a bit of the sort of scaffolding whatever it is um and and in the factory there's an awful lot of kind of odd nooks and crannies to explore um things that look like they're just background are actually accessible so I, I kind of like that about um this part of the game it's sort of again like you are in this case pretty heavily rewarded for exploring and trying weird things um yeah scenery. I, I was joking because uh, i was playing with sarah again and we we picked up the fire sword and we picked up the thunder sword and i'm like all right i gotta get the ice sword like now you've <laughs> you, you've made it clear that there's one of each right. uh, 
but but it is a really interesting like design for a dungeon like it's probably one of the most memorable dungeons in final fantasy history as these things go because it's got like this real industrial sort of quality to it all these pipes going all over the place and conveyor belts and with like you use those to navigate the dungeon like the conveyor belts are all one-way pads so you've got to find ways to sort of loop back around if you missed something before taking it you've got the pipes that you can like climb up into and then use to get around um, you got those one-way elevators that'll like take you just up or down but once you're there up oh, stinks to be you yeah um, so so it really requires you to pay attention if you want to get all of the things you have to explore carefully and you have to you know not be frustrated by backtracking but instead sort of understand the way that all of these pieces work together it's like a rube goldberg machine a little bit i felt like it, it's like you start going and there's a kind of flow to the place um it's confusing like you can get very mixed up but it's it's actually not very big and it's actually kind of elegant how it all sort of yeah, it has a kind of harmony. There's not just the elemental swords. There's also like the gold armor, um, mm -hmm. the different bits of gold armor that are scattered around. And so you can sort of try to complete that set. Um, and there's also like uh, more interesting battles, I would say, than generally you, you get with random battles. Like they're a bit harder for one thing. You have to be a little bit more on your toes. And you also like have so much you can do at this point that, you're sort of at at a loss for what to do first sometimes um so but in general like just wailing on enemies doesn't work so good and you've got to actually kind of yeah try some of your new magic and and whatnot yep. to get through um yeah i i almost got killed by a few of the uh the proto armor um yeah they are pretty With powerful their missile, missile launcher attacks Dang. <laughs> yeah, I got two in a row one time, and it nearly flattened us. Um, but yeah, if they just did that over and over, you, you, I don't think you could. Oh, yeah. But None they, they vary it. Um, um, yeah, they, so that's a good one to go back to the Velt for. That's like my first thing I'm going to do, actually. Yes. Go and try to find a proto-armor. Find the missile launcher, guys. Holy cow. Um, yeah, and I, the, uh, the other thing about those is that they... Um, they can't be absorbed with rune blade. I don't think they don't count no. as magic spells. It seems like. Yep. Well, magic tech armor is always ambiguous. Like the the lasers, typically you do absorb. Like I, at one point, I was using Gao doing like the old M tech armor from from Narsh oh. early on in the game, and every time that he dropped one of his lasers, Sellas would absorb it if I had Runic going. Interesting. Um, but the I'm pretty sure the missiles don't count. Um, it, so yeah, it, it's tricky. There, there's no easy solution to to the missile launchers besides trying to just take them out before they start using launch. Um, yeah, well, Celis is pretty crucial here, but she can get in your way because if you're trying to cast spells, you can't use Runeblade. She'll mm -hmm. she'll she'll interrupt them, and she's so slow. Well. She is so slow, man. Like. <laughs> being fast in battle is so critical like you said like some of these enemies you can really only get through the fight by being a little bit like slightly faster than they are mm -hmm. and she she's powerful but she's real slow uh, <laughs> so yeah so i don't know i maybe i should have um tried to balance out her stats a little better but i just i always give her the earrings because i'm like yeah she's the magic user she's wearing yep. 
I don't know. Yeah. I give running shoes to one of my, my stronger, you know, guys who's already like pretty fast to begin with. Cause that, that little bit can just be really helpful. But yeah, I don't know. So, so the battle stuff I think is a little overwhelming for me, honestly, like there's too many options and you start, you start to see that really, you know, really multiply as well when you, when you meet, okay. So you meet Kefka at a certain point mm-hmm. and he's um, sort of gloating and um, mistreating a couple of espers. So you add those two to your party after an interesting kind of elemental battle mm-hmm. um, in the basement, uh, you know, shoot or whatever it is. He kicks them down. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's Ifrit and Shiva who are, you know, classic. You got to have your Ifrit and Shiva. Um, and they really look the part like they they look exactly like I imagine them looking. I don't know. Like that's maybe a weird thing to say, but um, they they are uh, so sort of perfectly balanced. Um, in the version I'm playing, they don't fight you together. They fight you one and then the other. Yeah, it's the same on uh, on mine. Like they, okay. you'll start by fighting Ifrit, and then after a while, I don't even think it's relative to how many hits he takes. He just like stops and zaps out, and then Shiva comes in and fights you. Tag team. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and of course, like since they're elemental, you always want to sort of strategize around that. Ifrit constantly uses fire. Shiva constantly uses ice. So you want to use the other one's ability against them. Right. You know, so Gal using fire is great against Shiva, but not so great against Ifrit. <laughs> right. um, yeah, there's a kind of yin yang thing going on there in that mm-hmm. battle, and yeah, like you can, I think you can feel that they are just testing you. Um, yeah, they, they could do they could do way more damage than they do, but they're sort of just holding back. They can obviously sense one another's presence. Um, mm. We we know this about Espers, right? Um, and, and we see that a bit more too later. So I, I found it kind of interesting that they sort of like play possum and Kefka thinks they're kind of kaput, but, um, but they actually have a, a bit of spunk left in them. Uh, and then they do the thing where they, you know, the, they, they sacrifice themselves and become part of your, your team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they, um, they're the first two and then, and they're like, you know, worth, you know, fiddling with and figuring out, okay, how can I optimize this? But then very shortly after that, you get like six, five or yeah. six more? Six more. All oh my gosh. Why? Why so many? <laughs> yeah, like, well, I mean, again, from story purposes, like there's a logical reason for it. You're literally freeing the espers from Kafka's control. You, you're, you're resting you know, all of these captives free all at once. So at this point, I mean, I'm not sure if you have the total population of espers that Kefka has caught. Obviously there's a bunch more one like hiding around the world, but you know, at, at this point you've, you, all of the espers you've gained are from the Magitech facility, like Rama and his escapees, when you first meet them and then Ifrit and Shiva, the sort of cast cast offs that Kafka doesn't realize are still, still kicking. And then all of the captives proper. Um, and, and they just like by dying shatter their own tubes. Like there's. Yeah. It's a pretty awesome scene. Yeah. There's a weird death is escape 
thing going on there. But I, I didn't fully understand what's going on with Celis there. It seems like we're supposed to be um, doubting her loyalty. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. That like I don't see that. Um, Kefka just sort of says something to that effect, and suddenly Locke is like very you know full of ellipses and um, doubting her. I just didn't. It didn't makes sense to me but um but she immediately redeems herself by just like zapping these you know proto armors or whatever they are that ambush you she just like removes them and kefka from the scene so she does some kind of mystery you know exit spell on everything which is i i I feel like i feel like the suspicion you felt like the sort of you know, why Why does Locke doubt Sellas at this point? I, I think that's actually what we're supposed to be going with. Like, because okay. it's, it's true that we haven't seen, you know, Sellas' origins. Like, Locke stumbles across her as a captive being tormented by, um, you know, Imperial guards. But Locke also, remember, like, up until the opera, has not been paying attention to Sellas. Yeah. Um, like, the, we, we even spent quite a bit of time talking about that last week. Um, so I, I kind of think, on the one hand, we, the audience, we, the player, know that Sellas is trustworthy. We, we've seen her, you know, assimilating into the party, not being secretive, being, if anything, more vulnerable than many of the other characters. But Locke you know, Locke has been oblivious this whole time. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it does seem a little off that he distrusts her when we do not. And, and that might be, you know, a little clumsiness in the writing. But at the at the same time, I think, you know, I think our, our reaction should be, shut up, Locke. Like, yeah, stop. yeah, this <laughs> is, she, obviously Kefka is messing with you at this point in time. He, he's manipulating you. Um, this is the trap. Um, not Sellas. Right. He's sowing this discord where it's really, there's no business, you know, mm-hmm. even like entertaining that. And yeah, I found that very odd, I guess. Um, and I looked up, I tried to look up like what was going on and I ended up finding something totally different, which is really cool. And I put it on the website already, but um, it's through um, the guy who did a really good book about Earthbound. So I, I know about this guy, but I found him, independently again looking for stuff about final fantasy VI's translation um okay. so it's um a guy named clyde mandolin and his website is legends of localization and um so he, he talks about the different translations out there um there's a fan translation there's a game boy advance translation there's the original japanese and then there's like a google translator that he just like plugs in for fun kind mm-hmm. of um and then he gives the you know the SNES translation. Um, and he has them all on screen at the same time using some kind of emulator. Interesting. So it's like a really great project that um, in, it involves, I mean, apparently quite a bit of, of technological savvy, but also his you know knowledge of Japanese language and culture is pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. And in this part, the only thing I really turned up uh, turns out to be like, Celis's speech patterns apparently change quite a bit throughout the game mm-hmm. um, from being more like stern and, um, you know, soldierly or whatever when you first right. meet her to being more feminine um, ever uh, after the uh, 
that that kind of insight that Locke gets right in the lot in the opera exactly um and so there's there's some kind of um little particle in Japanese I guess the feminine wa that she'll throw in from time to time which is so cool Mm -hmm. um yeah I, I I love that that change to her speech sort of mirrors you know her own character coming out and Locke's sort of realization of her character Mm -hmm. Um, but uh yeah I'm left I'm still left a little a little unsatisfied (laughs) with with Locke here I guess I'll just I'll leave it yeah it's just we'll just blame Locke I guess (laughs) uh but Sid is also pretty weird um like he's pretty like I don't know what to make of him he he feels remorse about um, what he's done, uh, you know, seeing that uh, the way that they've been treating the espers is completely wrong. Like if espers wanted to yield their powers up, they they could do so in a much more thorough fashion, but um, they've been sort of torturing them for no reason, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And um, and what they've done to, you know, Celis and Kefka probably, like it's, it's so strange to me that he sort of suddenly makes this... Um, this turn where he like wants to help you get away from Kefka um, on a mind yeah. cart, of course. <laughs> yes. In the crazy bad mind oh, cart God. effect. So <laughs> it, like there's a lot about this game that has aged. Okay. The mind cart sequence has not. <laughs> That's so much, yeah. um, like, and, and I died the first time through when I hit the boss. So we had to go through it twice. It, was, it was bad. Um, but the, like the one the one thing I notice is that the, like the the sort of motivating factor for Sid to to sort of ch- switch sides seems to be when Sellas like performs whatever crazy you know redemption exit spell that she does because because Sid has that line about you know Sellas was like her his own daughter um, you know just yeah. as he apparently created. Kefka or was integral in the creation of Kefka, so was he integral in the creation of Sellas. So, you know, he has that connection to her. And we've seen that. Like, it, we, we have been told about Sellas' background, how she was, you know, concocted mm-hmm. um, in this way. So, you know, you get, I don't know, like, Sid is hard to read here, and it seems like he's doing a lot more character work than the little bit of time we've spent with him would warrant or justify. But he does seem, you know, at least by the end of this, to be on the up and up. Like, where Kefka is interested in exploiting the espers for power, it seems like Sid is honestly, scientifically curious. Like, a mad scientist in some ways, you know, you know, exploiting forces better left alone. Um, but also, you know, really emotionally invested in this process. Um, like if he had known that the espers could willingly give their power, that's what he would have tried to do. Um, he would have befriended them, not torture them. So. Yeah, I, I feel that as well. I, I guess I felt like his introduction here was just sort of abrupt, um, yeah. was maybe part of it. And, I felt like I was sort of expecting that when Sid would be introduced in this game, he would be different somehow. I think that was part of it too. Like he, it didn't fit my expectations for the Sid character, um, yeah. but that might've just been, you know, my, 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 my problem, you know, uh, my bias or whatever. Yeah. And, I think, I think we will see him again and he'll get more time to make his characterization robust. Like nice. we'll 
sort of retroactively understand his motivations. I, I could be wrong, but I think like I think the old trope of Sid being connected to the airship is going to actually strike in this game as well. It's just awesome. a little bit more removed from our, our first interaction with him. Okay. Um, so, you know, not apologizing for the, again, the hasty sort of encounter we have with him now, but but I, Final Fantasy VI does things backwards a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but often the payoff is there. Now, so there's there's a weird thing that happens at this point where, again, you sort of are flush with awesome new stuff. You get all these cool espers, like too many to even use. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play around with that and try to figure out, like, what's the best thing to do first? Like, try to learn some awesome spells or have a really cool summon. I, I went with just, like, making my party invisible immediately because I just like the idea of doing that. Yep. <laughs> um, which I think makes you, like, weak to magic, but basically unhittable by physical attack. I don't even know what being invisible does, honestly. Um, I just like it. It's just fun. So I did that. <laughs> um, but so yeah, then you like fight a series of pretty difficult boss battles. Um, you know, you got, so you have like the experimental dude who, who can put up the wall spell. Um, he hits pretty hard, but um, yeah, aside from that, that defensive thing, there's not too much to him, I don't think. But then you have this like three-part monster down in the mines. Yeah, he's yeah powerful. Uh, you gotta figure out a way to keep your party healed now that Celis has abruptly been taken away from yeah, you. Yeah, which is mean. Um, yeah, yeah. But I actually found like he was a very brittle boss uh-huh. when I fought him. Like the first time he wrecked me, there was just no way around it. Like I had been. I'd been worn down by the the little wheelie enemies that precede him. <laughs> and he just showed up and just started wrecking my guys one at a time. But the second time I got the jump on him and I think it was like in one move a piece, I took out both his left and right arm. Nice. And I was just, you know, at that point it, it was just a joke. Yeah. Like I think Gao hit the one arm with a fire too. And then I chainsawed the other one off, which, you know, that, <laughs> That seems appropriate. Like you should be able to use Edgar's chainsaw to take off the limbs of your bosses. Um, but then, you know, a lot of his spell potential had been severely reduced. Like he was only doing a pittance of damage and then I just kept wailing on him and that was it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I find it, I find that dynamic kind of interesting in its own right, that you can have like glass cannon enemies as well as glass cannon fighters. Nice. Um, but but it's true that like the number of approaches are really varied at this point and especially given the fact that you have so many characters with so many abilities and so many different you know exploits and combinations and you know you can rely on randomness like Gao or you can rely on sheer power like Cyan and Sabin or yep. you know you can rely on Edgar's like spreading attacks um, and while, you know, that does feel powerful, like there's a lot you can do with it and there's so many new options, the bosses are still challenging. They still pose the threat. Yes. Um, they have and, way more HP than you. I mean, that that's yes. one thing that's always, consi- like as much as they might be things that you can do a lot of damage to, they, they're going to take a few turns. And so you've got to have some degree of strategy at this point. <laughs> yeah. Some modicum of like forethought about what you're, what you're up to. Um, and yeah, I, again, I think part of the most difficult thing is to like 
keep track of what the heck every character is doing on screen because it's like i okay i'm casting a spell i'm summoning a monster i'm you know doing some healing i, I don't know like there's just a lot going on and you've got to remember to steal stuff yep that's really i don't know it's like deeply satisfying to steal a good item from a boss i don't know why it's so fun to do. Um, but it is like my favorite thing actually <laughs> this boss has a drain sword it, it hits the so like you have all your elemental swords at this point they're very nice they sometimes cast spells after you use them but but this sword will just like siphon hp as much as you hit for it just gives you that much hp mm. so that's way cool um yeah that's dope i love that <laughs> uh anyway so then yeah so if you do make it out of the mines um you're you're not quite out of the the fire yet like you've got to escape from what is it these like cranes that come after you from the yeah setzer joins up so you finally get to fight with setzer and he gets you onto the airship and as the airship is trying to escape apparently like vector the city has some kind of giant crane docking arm thing that like you have to fight from the deck of the airship no less um and man it was nice having setzer on my team oh so cool yeah, he he is definitely one of my favorite characters. And while the the slot machine ability of his, like it, if you can time it right, it can do some pretty devastating stuff. And even if you don't, like, there's so many good things that can happen. Yeah. Um, like I think the first one I did was like the chocobo thing, where just a bunch of chocobos run across the screen, <laughs> damaging everything. And then I did like the swooping airship one, where you know it, it's kind of uncomfortable thinking about this because they're on the deck of the airship when the airship swoops down. It doesn't entirely work, but yeah, go no. with but, but still, it's it's just very satisfying and very Setzer, too. Like, the, yeah. the random element and the gambling character sort of playing slots to, to figure out what he does. Um, but it is powerful. Um, it's yeah, very no, useful. It, it does some, some healing uh, every so often, and it does, um, like, cast you know support spells too it does like everything yeah. so it's like it's like a you know a microcosm of like everything else in the game so far and just like randomly will ha well not entirely randomly like you said you yeah you can you can sort of you can strategize your way through it and it's not as difficult as it looks either like i'm pretty sure after you get the first one all of the rest will match it no matter what unless yeah. you like truly screw it up or you know there, there might be some random element in there that occasionally frustrates you but like if you if you can time it so you get the seven you're getting those three sevens and it's going to be awesome <laughs> um, so so yeah like he he has always been a fixture of my of my strongest version of the party in this game oh cool that's that's another thing to think about i guess like down the line there is i guess an optimum strategy presumably um but yeah we haven't quite got all the pieces to it yet. oh yeah still still a long way before we're playing with all of our all of our cards as Setzer would like uh, yeah yeah so his his weapon seems to be just like a deck of cards too <sighs> you know, I love, just, attack, just right? chucks cards at people gambit <laughs> style yeah, that's so awesome uh yeah so i found the cranes you know also tough but mainly because they were on both sides of me it was like sort of threatening i, I don't know like 
it's not actually that hard of a battle, but somehow it was quite stressful for me. Um, yeah, it's and especially because it comes at the end of you know all these other fights. Like it is, it's very high paced at this point. Like yeah. you get to this confrontation with Kafka, and then bam, you're on the minecart, and then you're done with the minecart, and you're getting rushed onto the airship, and then there there are the cranes. You know, I think there are a couple of save points in there just to keep you from tearing your hair out if something goes wrong. But right. still, you know, it's a rush. Um, just a sprint to the finish. I'm always a little leery of those kind of save points, you know, because what if the boss that comes next is, like, truly too difficult? Like, this happened yeah. to um, Tactics, I want to say. There's yes. a point in Tactics where if you save it and then go directly into this next battle... You have no way to like. Yeah, get, you're get, locked. You're just stuck, and it's like, oh my god, this battle is so hard. Um, yeah, I think I finally just like put some double swords on and and just like, yeah, I don't know, but I I, I didn't like that. I I don't know quite what to do because it is sort of a bind, right? You you don't yeah. want to not waste your time, but also you don't want to totally screw up your whole save. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those moments where it is perfectly perfectly honorable to save scum. Yeah. And just sit, like get another save slot going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in case things go badly. But tactics, especially, like oh. tactics, is cruel with its difficulty spikes. Yeah. Six, you, you like occasionally it'll throw something that you could never anticipate, but usually the random number generator is generous enough that like maybe one time you get flattened, but maybe in the next fight you flatten them. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's always a way out. In tactics, there isn't. <laughs> Some of those fights are just like you better be on your A game or you're screwed. Yeah, that, that, yeah. So the whole difficulty discussion, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really come into this game. I, I don't think, but it's it's there. Like there is yeah. a design element there to to sort of worry about, I guess. I, I I think like at the end of the day in six, um, the difficulty is always pushing you. Like think more cleverly try new strategies explore and find new weapons um but it's always eminently beatable like if you even if you have garbage weapons at the end of the game just stuff that you bought from shops you can still outsmart all of the bosses yeah um there's still enough tools in your inventory enough things that you had to get to be able to do it um like i I have a winning strategy for taking out Kefka at the end of the game, like which requires just a little bit of exploration, but I have not gotten even close to some of the crazy weapons and items and stuff that you can get to just really blow them out of the water. Yeah. Um, but this is also before you get sort of the, the crazy weapon challenges in final fantasy seven and eight, where it's like, did you find all of the cool stuff? Because it's the only way you're going to survive these fights. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, that, that sort of optional extra challenge thing mm -hmm. um, is, I think it's there in every game, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely ramps up as the series goes on. I want to mm -hmm. say. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so I feel like we kind of should just hold off on the next bit about the world of the espers. Yeah. Um, because we go back and we, well, Tara, she wakes up because you have her father, it turns out, in your pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, so, just a lot. And, um, yeah, and then we, like, play through a kind of um, flashback, which is interesting. Um, and, yeah, I, I think we should probably give that some more space to, to explore. And then we get to explore the world, too. So that would be a nice kind of combo. 
um, yep. to just discuss like some of this fun stuff we can do now in the yep. game. Wander around, visit some towns that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Um, see if we can get any character actions to go. Maybe return Gal home and see what his dad has to say. Ooh. Yeah. 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 All right. So we'll get we'll get a little bit more of this ever growing party. Um, you know, and uh, and what what everyone's up to. Um, I. I don't, again, I don't remember when Celis comes back. I hope it's soon because she's like a, a key part of this group. And yep. um, you know. it helps though that Terra is back in the mix. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can occupy a lot of the same space there. Um, I just mean in terms of Locke though, poor guy. Oh, yeah. like, like, golly, uh, it must be very confusing for him. Uh, so, okay. Yes. <laughs> we'll, uh, We'll, we'll we'll sleep on that for now, and um, yeah, get to explore the world in our sweet airship, um, playing some blackjack or whatever. When we get tired of uh, uh, you know fighting random battles out in the world, uh, yeah, cool. Thanks again, Ben. Uh, You're very well. All right.